Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dictate the Podcast, uh, the podcast associated with the Dictate the Game website. We can find various guides, articles, and whatnot. Uh, I'm going to be talking about a few of those articles today and a few questions we've had on Twitter. Uh, with us today, we have Ryan. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good. And we've got uh, Fernando as well, or Roxend FM. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good stuff. And I'm Pelham, FMTET. Uh, back as normal um yeah so we've got a few articles it's been a little while since the last podcast not as big a gap as it had been before but we've had quite a few bits and pieces go out so we've had an article on uh, finance which was related to the uh, aswajan examples from fm kiddy and uh, we've had one on the importance of the technical director which is a role that i've personally hardly ever uh, used to be honest it's not one that i've uh, had the uh, budget to use. Uh, we've got one on Mirror Magic from FM Stag on trying to replicate Fabian Barthez, uh, which is always an interesting one to try and get going. Uh, we've had five English teams to manage with the updated database from Ryan and the playing time experiment from uh, Michelinia FM as well, which is quite a good expansion on the first part that he did. And I've done one too on playing with three strikes up front, which we might talk about in a little bit. Uh, but also we've got one on mental health, which we were talking about a little bit before from Fernanda. So we might, um, we were talking about this beforehand, we might do this as a separate podcast as well, sort of mental health podcast in the future, just to go into it into a bit more more detail. But uh, Fernando, take us through your article on mental health and football manager. Well, it's, um, it's, it's a project that, I started uh, when I arrived actually uh, with the team uh, at DDG because I had seen that it, the the whole uh, awareness on mental health in the FM community has been growing lately a lot. I mean, we've had uh, many few distinguished members of it paying attention to it, uh, several of the Discord servers and uh, forums, I guess, too. Uh, added sections to to mental health, um, so I felt like that it would be good uh, as a rather big page that uh, dictate the game is to you know get the word of a professional in of an expert in in, in the matter uh, because I think it's uh, it's very important you know uh, to raise awareness and people to pay attention and to uh, give it the, the importance that it has, but I, I think it also, it also is uh, very important to to have the world of professionals who know what they're talking about and uh, and you know uh, not have. I mean, sometimes goodwill can take you so far, so it's important to have experts uh, in the in the matter. Because there has been a lot of talk like on twitter and the discords like you were saying there's some dedicated channels in some of the discords which are quite useful um sort of check out if you are on them um but i think as well with football manager getting released for free for i can't remember how long they did it for during lockdown it was two weeks it was i believe it was supposed to be for one week and then they did it for a second they got um obviously that was all confirmed but uh, just want to sort of interrupt this and say, like, I've, I don't think people understand how big uh, 
of a sort of factor football manager has sort of been during this lockdown because I know a lot of people obviously are suffering with mental health and have other sort of uh, circumstances going on but you just I don't think people really appreciate until there's a situation like a worldwide pandemic how like how much how good it is really for escapism and like you can just literally switch off for that for that moment and just really get into it and I think that's amazing and complete credit to you for setting this whole article up and um, getting the people involved it's been brilliant yeah well I, I always I always thought of it as a as a dictate the game project I never thought of it as a as a me project because from the get go I, I knew I would uh, need the you know the, the help of professionals and and uh, of, of you like giving me the green light uh, it was a it's, it's a hard topic to to you know to to write on and maybe i mean it would have been perfectly fine for you to tell me you know uh, it's a hard topic maybe we shouldn't get in there maybe it's better to leave for you know other kinds of of, of websites so i i always felt like it was a, a a side project uh that i was just like leaving in some ways and i mean it could have never been done without pelham without michael um uh who review the questions, answer the questions, and we're always there to to help. So I feel like it's, I, I don't feel like I can take credit for this. I just like brought the idea and barely did some edit. It was an interesting one to get involved in because um, uh, like you were saying, bringing in people from the kind of area, um, Mikhail's um, a doctor in psychiatry, which is definitely very, very relevant a very applied area for kind of mental health, um, obviously. And my background is psychology. So I'm a doctor in psychology and have been for 10-ish kind of years. But my kind of area is cyber psychology, which is sort of online psychology. And uh, part of that includes video games, online communities, that kind of stuff. And it's a very good game for it. It's got a good, strong community. Um it's not a perfect community. It's quite toxic at, at times, but it's also quite supportive as well, quite open. As, and increasingly, I think you're seeing a lot more people in the community on Twitter and in, in Discord sharing, helping each other, or just importantly, talking about stuff to make it more normal, to kind of normalise this idea of talking about mental health and it not being something that's got sort of uh, stigma and shame attached to because talking about it means you can get help talking about it means you can find um find out where to get help who to get help from whether you need help or not whether what you're experiencing is normal and common it kind of brings people together in a way you might not normally be able to do so it was a an interesting one to get involved in but yeah i mean it was a it was a great project to uh, to be part of i again i can't Take credit for it. I I refuse to, but uh, but it was certainly an important topic and something that I felt was important to do. So I can only thank to you, Michael, uh, Michael, sorry, and and everyone. I mean, Adam did the 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 image and everything. So I can only thank you guys for for uh, taking to the idea and helping me put it together. Well, you you put it all together. It, it needed it needed doing. And at the end of the article, so if if you're listening and you've not read it give it a read. Um, and at the end, it's got useful links and contact numbers uh, for different countries as well. Obviously, um, we're not able to cover every 
country uh, just because there's lots of different people who read the website. But I think the UK, the US, Australia, and a few international contacts are in there as well. So you can talk. Um, if you need to, you can get some support if you feel you need to. Uh, but the main thing is to talk to someone to reach out if you need to. You're not, not alone. It's something that affects pretty much everyone at various points in life, especially during a pandemic where things are far from normal. And we'll stick a link into the article in the description of the podcast as well, so you can go straight there if you need to. I'm going to cheekily talk about three strikers up front then. Yep, and then yeah. I can, we can do mine if you'd like. Um, it's obviously yeah. really, really shit, but... Should we do yours better. first then? Because you've really, you've really built it up. Yeah. Okay. So, so um, what did you write about Ryan recently? Um, I have not played Foot Manager as much as I'd like to in the past few weeks. I have a, a bit of a side project going on and work sort of taking over as well. But I've um, decided that it's that time in the cycle where a lot of people are sort of anticipating the new Foot Manager, and then people are like. We see it on the for, uh, like on any website or on Twitter or any Facebook group or wherever, and people are like, oh, I'm fed up now. Who should I manage? And I'm, I thought I'd just cover five teams with an updated database that people can do. So to keep it as simple and brief as possible, really, Wigan, um, obviously we know about their off-field troubles. And I, I feel like that's one of the uh, sort of a challenge where you'd sort of invest like that first year and then you'd go on from there. Like you, that sort of first year would make or break you. But um, as I was saying, because they've just been relegated to uh, League One, I actually mentioned this in the article. There's so many good teams in the championship now. It's sort of a mini. Uh, it, there's so many good teams in League One. Sorry, it's like a mini championship. So you've got like Sunderland and Plymouth in there who could easily, you know, mix things up a bit. So I had to put them in there because I think that's a challenge, especially with the off field issues. Um, Chelsea as well. Um, their transfer ban is obviously up now, and the obviously new additions with Timo Werner and Ziyech, the um, ex Ajax player. He's uh, he's there, and obviously, and because they're not being able to sign players, this sort of youth system has obviously been sort of focus, and the sort of players coming through like Mason Mount and uh, Hudson Odoi, etc., um, are being really, really good. And I feel like this would be not an easy challenge, but a challenge where you. You sort of it's focused on the youth and sort of building rather than just you know picking say Man City or Liverpool because they're sort of proven these players aren't as proven in terms of uh, their experience at the highest level in the Premier League. Uh, third team Leeds United. I had to obviously put them in there. It's sort of a fairy tale how they've how they've come up and um, sort of the way they've been playing. And I thought. They're probably the only team at the moment for me who looks strong enough to stay up next next season. Unfortunately, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's just the case. But um, they've also re-signed Jack Harrison, who's one of my favourite football manager players. I remember him before he signed, because he signed for Man City, didn't he, recently? Well, a couple of years yeah. ago. Um, I remember signing him because he was playing in America, and um, he's a very, very good player. Uh, moving on as well to Coventry. This was, uh, I was a bit unsure about Coventry whether or not to put them in, but I decided to go for it. Um, and obviously, um, oh, what was this? What was that? I meant there's one thing that they were in League Two at some point, like but they were, yeah, they, they got relegated really down to League Two, but they were playing the Premier League, I think, just less than 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, probably keen up front for them. Yeah, so, so it's, I thought 
Coventry just been promoted to Championship. It's like a sort of, you know, obviously it's not like awakening a fallen giant, but it's that sort of, you know, basically essentially giving the club CPR, getting them back up. <laughs> and yeah. ho- ho- hopefully, if, uh, if if you do do this as a challenge, you can get them promoted from the Championship into Premier League and then uh, back to where they were 20 years ago. And finally, Kingsland. Um, I've got a couple of friends who actually live in Kingsland and I wanted to include them, uh, especially because they were promoted due to uh, average points per game. Uh, they're not an old... They're not that... An, they're not that bigger club in terms of their history because they think they remade, um, but they're obviously on the way up. And this is this will be the highest league they played in, and um, if they can get promoted from the uh, the Vanamara National League this time, they'll um, be in the football league. But I'm I'm still unsure why they're classed as north. I'm looking at the photo here on the article, and uh, they're very very south. <laughs> So which is crazy. Probably the furthest north of all the some teams. That's that's all it'll be, I yeah, think. It's just it's just crazy. So there's sort of five teams. I wanted to uh sort of mix it up, not do all the obvious ones, but obviously I have to include like the likes of Wigan, Chelsea and Leeds, but then the Coventry and the Kings Lynn were sort of just two ones which I thought sort of spice things up a bit a bit just to make it, you know, not the same typical thing you'd normally see. So hopefully if anyone does do it. Uh, what, what the article is on the website, um, as well as the updated database, which you can download and then obviously install. There's instructions I've attached there as well. So if you want looking for a new save, you're more than welcome to try any of them clubs in there. Please do let us know how you get on. But yeah, that's that's all I wrote about. See, I'm tempted by two teams on that list. I don't know about you, Fernando, but I remember Wigan um, when they were in the Premiership. And I used to have a good FM save with them pretty much every year just because they were such a small side as well. They were always punching above their weight. And Coventry is tempting just because they've had all that off-field stuff as well with their stadium. So they've had to play in all yeah, kinds of places. Was it Northampton? Portsmouth for it was, wasn't it? No, it can't uh, be Portsmouth. Uh, I thought it was Northampton. I'll, I'll do a quick Google while we continue the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I a chicken on the list. I mean, I feel like Wigan's gonna be the the Bolton of of, of FM twenty one. So yeah. it's, it, it'd be interesting to to catch him a bit early, you know, with the with the update. But I, I really like the list. I feel like it, it gives enough alternatives. I was just checking at at you know all the clubs you you mentioned, and I'm amazed at the amount of clubs that could be, you know. Uh, given the tag of uh, sleeping giant in the English game, I mean, I was asked yeah. uh, recently by by someone about maybe getting a, a, a challenge like that, but in in Argentinian football, and I was like really struggling to find a thing a team you can call uh, a sleeping giant in Argentinian football. But but in England, it's like pick whatever, whichever you want. I mean, you have so many so uh, history teams and with such glorious pasts i mean and or just like very uh, very good uh, history so i feel like wigan probably is, is a very interesting interesting one was Coventry the one that could not play in their own stadium or am i mixing them up with someone it's coventry yeah it was it the rico arena and they couldn't have i don't know yeah, that, the rent or something or yeah the something like that. 
I just uh, Googled that and it was uh, Birmingham City. I don't know where I got Portsmouth from because that's like the complete opposite end of the country. Yeah, where did I get Northampton from then? <laughs> well, they were at ground share of Birmingham City. But yeah, but obviously this will all lead into Football Manager 2021. But there's, there's a lot of interesting things. Like I think this is probably the most excited I've been for a new league. I've, I don't know if that's because of sort of the the way that all the clubs have been promoted and relegated due to uh, COVID and stuff. But I think there's, there's definitely that sort of extra bit into it now. Like you, with, uh, when I was researching, looking at these clubs, I was thinking every single one of these teams, like there's so much you can do with them in mm. completely different levels. I don't know if I'll be taking any of them over there, but I am tempted. That is 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 pushing me towards them. Probably not Kings Lynn. Yeah, Kings Lynn is just <laughs> just a, something a little bit different. I wanted to do some something a bit lower lot lower down and um they've they've sort of done really well in their short sort of existence. I'm definitely not gonna be taking over Leeds, but Bielsa might be quite a good draw for a lot of people as well to kind of either well, replicate that's, it or that's kind of the issue. No? I mean when you take over Leeds you basically fire Bielsa. <laughs> so it's like Yeah, a... you lose that little magic, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like move him to director of football or something. Yeah, uh, I used to. I used to never manage Arsenal because mm. I just didn't want to get Arsene Wenger off a job. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, though. There's certain people you want in in the game where they are. Yeah, awesome. I agree completely. Uh, in that case, then I'm going to chat about my article, man. How selfish! And uh. <laughs> Well, at least I'm going to chat about my one for Dictate the Game rather than any other ones. Oh, you can speak about them both if you'd like. Uh, well, um, the one for Dictate the Game was the three strikers up front. Um was a battering ram. And FM Stag helpfully put together the uh, featured image with Heskey on the front, the kind of ultimate um, striker battering ram. But I went for three because back in previous versions of Football Manager, having three strikers was kind of an exploit because the match engine just couldn't really deal with three strikers in a sensible way. The the marking in the space was all kind of wrong. So if you had three up front, all doing the same role, so I think all advanced forwards were all poachers quite often, um, the defence, no matter how good they were, just really struggled to pick people up. And I think that's been improved on FM20. I think FM19 and FM20 is where they improved. I think it's 17 and 18 where it's particularly bad. Uh, but I'd kind of fallen into using three strikers because on my Belfast Celtic save um, that I do on YouTube where I normally use stats, I've got Belfast Celtic all the way up to the Northern Irish uh, Premiership. We've had like three or four seasons of fighting relegation, one after the other. And I kind of got to the point where I decided I need to play to whatever strengths I can get. Whatever players that are good that I can recruit, I need to build around them. And I couldn't get good defenders, couldn't get a good keeper, but I did manage to get three or four good strikers. So I thought, well, I've got them. I'm going to have to play as many up top as I can. Um, so I started putting three up there in my kind of Belfast battering ram is what I've called it. And it worked really well. Not, you know, unreasonably well. So I managed to survive relegation one season with games to spare, which was an improvement. Um, and start this season... I should get to a cup final, and I'm kind of mid-table comfortably. Uh, although I did get beaten 7-0 by Lan at one point. 
Um, it's a very kind of Kevin Keegan-esque way of playing. You just score more than the other team. So lost 7-0 to Larne, but beat Linfield 4-3. It's that kind of thing. You, you just try and score a little bit extra. But what I noticed was the movement between some of the strikers was just really, really nice, especially if you're playing on the counter. Because I had a false nine in the middle um, using that trick that I didn't know about until this FM where rather than telling them how to distribute it, you know, kick it long or whatever, you can tell them to distribute to player. So I tell them to specifically kick it to the false nine, who's then got a pressing forward and a target man either side to kind of lay, lay it off to. So is he essentially your sort of sort of playmaker, but not a playmaker? He'll drop in between the sort of gap between the defence and midfield? Yeah, he's kind of a little bit deeper than the strikers, but not mm-hmm. as deep as a traditional attacking midfield would be. And he causes, the most common kind of issue he causes is... Dragon defenders, I'm assuming. Yeah, they've either got to come to him to stop him. Yeah, or stop him and then give him space. Yeah. So one way or the other, either he's free or one of the other strikers ends up with a bit more space. space or yeah. At least they're just one-on-one. So it kind of yeah. narrows the odds a bit. Yeah, it's a bit like... Uh, I don't want to say... Don't take this, this the, don't take this the wrong way, but it's, it's kind of the the oldest trick in the book. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that's something that uh, well, probably everyone knows, but uh, that's what Nando Hideguti did uh, with the Hungary team. Hungary, Hungary. Exactly. Uh, choose whichever is more correct. Um, the, the Hungary team of the of the fifties. Yeah, dropping in and having the centre back follow you. And it works nicely with three at front. Before, I've been doing it as like a, I had a wide diamond and I had someone in that attacking midfield position, but they were just too deep. And I noticed some people have said the attacking midfield position is a bit hit and miss in FM20. So that's why I kind of went to three, where he's kind of an attacking midfield, but not quite because I force nine bit. But yeah, it's actually, it is, it is an old trick. But it's nice to see it work, especially if you go to like the 2D view, so you can see everyone being pulled out of position. It's quite good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I totally agree with the the uh, attacking midfielder being like a hit and miss thing. Uh, thing. I mean, like uh, I've really struggled to get to get them to work. I'm currently using a five-two-one-two or whatever you want to call it, and. Yeah. I I don't think I had in in FM uh, an attacking midfielder work. Um, I mean, like a, as a playmaker. I mean, like I, I tried the enganche and I tried the advanced playmaker and I tried the chequartista and just like I don't see him getting enough of the ball. So I maybe will try the the, the battering ram to see if that that works. Currently, I have him as a. I have I use a attacking midfielder like the role, <laughs> attacking midfielder on attacking midfielder, <laughs> and yeah. and it's working. But the the playmaker is just like I I, I never get him to work. No, I don't know why. I was the same when I had the attacking midfielder. Rather than having him as a a kind of fancy developed role, I just had him as an attacking midfielder on attack, um, or support sometimes. And that was the best I could get out of them. Anything else, Shadow Striker, Gash, whatever, just didn't work. Yeah, I guess it has to do with how many teams now play with a with a screening midfielder. 
which yeah. basically cancels the attacking missile out because it's one v one all the time. So that that space that that your attacker generates dropping off is never there. But uh, I don't know. It doesn't work. <laughs> nah, nah, I've seen plenty of people talking about it. But yeah, if you're getting frustrated with the attacking midfielder, just turn him into a striker. Job, job done. I did the exact same thing with uh, Re- uh, Renistas. I think that's my club in um, Uruguay. Do you, want, do you want me to say it again? <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> For the audio track, uh, it's Rentistas. I, I'm sure I said that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did the same. I wanted. I originally started with a, a sort of attacking midfielder, and then, like you have a false nine, I decided to use a target man, but on mm. support, so he'd drop deeper. And uh, I'd focus my play trying to get the ball to him so he could play it off. And it was, uh, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Like, you, I think a lot of my, my biggest problem with football manager used to be where I would um, have two strikers and no one, like, if we were under pressure or we were playing against a team which uh, had a lot of possession, I'd find that the strikers were always isolated. And then I was looking at their match ratings and like, that's really, really low. And when you sort of break it down and you notice like because they're so high up the pitch, you're you're essentially you've only got what nine men behind the ball at any given moment because they're so high up and you can't like break down any phases of play because you, you you're sort of reduced numbers. So I always find having that having that one striker which acts as like, you know, just a little bit deeper, just to, so they can pick up loose balls or just be that be that that layoff for someone to play it into. And I think yeah. that's, that's the, the strongest advice I could give to anyone if you're using two strikers. Don't make them incredibly like offensive. Like one of them in my eyes has to be the sort of creator, someone who will drop a little bit deep and pick up the ball. Otherwise, it's I, I find it quite hard, but that's just my personal experience. Well, I think you have to have someone who's deeper or being more creative even if it's not the strikers it's going to have to be that attacking midfielder behind them or it's going to have to be a box-to-box midfielder who arrives a bit later or maybe use your wingers to try and um, cover that kind of half space if you get them to cut inside or something but yeah if if they're just all out attack they'll be isolated yeah it's all right when you're sort of say for example you say if you were in your league now you're in ireland i believe yeah yeah northern ireland yeah, so say if you start winning the league there and it's like, oh, this has gone really well and you've got them two strikers really offensive, you know that works, but as soon as you go into Europe playing against teams that are going to match you and be better than you, you, yeah. you sort of learned them two strikers are invisible, essentially. Yeah, well, that's the problem that, going, going in for some football history, that Graham Taylor had with his teams. He was playing the kind of long pass approach getting it forward quickly. Um, it was with Watford at the time. And then when he got to Europe, he knew he wasn't going to have the same success as he did domestically because the other teams were too good because they'd keep hold of the ball, they'd deny the space, they'd have someone shielding or screening in some way because they, they were just better tactically than most English teams at the time. And it's the same thing if you go from a small league like Northern Ireland to Europe or I guess any small league to the continental side the gulf in class means you're gonna to have to try some different tricks even i'd say the gulf in northern ireland so Lan is the big money side in northern ireland at the moment because they've got 
Is it the owner of Purple Bricks? Sponsors Purple them? Bricks. <laughs> Bloody hell. So they've got something, their wage budget in my game is something like three to four million a year. Wow. And my team's about 100,000. So there's a mess. that's why they beat me 7-0 when I play them and that kind of stuff. So the battering ram doesn't work against them because they can deal with that because they've got really good players. So, and again, against teams like Linfield, they're traditionally one of the strongest sides. The gap's still too good. It's like, I think any good tactic, you've got a bit of compromise in there. If you've got three up front, then you're losing something elsewhere. Plus, if anyone deals with your trick and it's just one trick, like Fernando was saying, it's the oldest trick in the book, but that's the only trick you've got when you've got the three up front like that. So if they can deal with it, you're stuffed. Um, and that tends to be what happens. It's not what happened in the older versions of Football Manager, though. So in yeah, it was more of an exploit, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it just worked no matter what, really. There was no kind of trade-off, whereas there's a definite no, trade-off. Yeah. But yeah, that's my uh, three-striker deviant tactic for everyone to have a look at. Uh, and the rest of the articles are all up that we mentioned. So the playing time and player age experiment, which is quite useful, talking about 24-year-olds. The finances linked to the Aswajan by FM Kiddy. Uh, technical director, if you want to give that a go. Bringing back Fabian Bartes with the Mirror Magic. Mental health, three strikers, and five English teams to manage. I don't know if I missed any others off there. But if you go to dictatethegame.com, you'll be able to see them all. Um, and you'll be able to look at our entire back catalogue. So I think now that moves us on to questions from the community. Yeah, and we've got one question from you as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Can't forget me. Oh, I can see one question here. Um, I'm going to start off from uh, Lounge Pundit. Um, how to create a park the bus tactic like Marina that has free alterations for different matches? This is going to be open for you. I have absolutely no interest in part of the bluff at all. So I'm I'm anti hoofball for this at the moment. So I'll leave that to you, Pelham and Fernando. Yeah, and we were talking with Pelham uh, previously before we started the the, the podcast, and I, I, we were saying I don't think you can actually do it in FM, uh, at least in FM twenty. Because, I mean, I was thinking when we were talking about the the exploit of the three strikers, um, uh, the, the statistics were released by, by SI, by the FM uh, Twitter account about, you know, how many you know, signings have been made, how many people have yeah. been sacked, etc. And the most used tactic, it was like, you could predict it with your eyes closed, it was the, the 4 2 3 one gegenpress. Uh, which I mean, it's the most exploited tactic at the current uh, match engine, and I think that because of how the the match engine is is working at the moment, I don't think pack the most tactics can be successfully achieved or consistently achieved. At least you have to have some degree of pressing. You have to have some degree of of attacking because the game is just not set up in a way that you can soak pressure mm -hmm. consistently throughout matches and get something out of it. I mean, I was trying when I started playing, actually. I started with Livorno, uh, the Italian team in yeah. the Serie B. And I, one of the, the, the ideas I had, I don't know how, to, one of the, the principles I put in place was 
I wanted a, a very blue color kind of team, you know, really defensive resistance, uh, you know, passion and desire, as yeah. uh, the, the UK pundits say. And, you know, I wanted a, a counter attacking hard team. And boy, did I have <laughs> a, a time with it because I, I was struggling constantly. I mean, the team could simply not soak up pressure in a way that was effective and that would allow me to to counterattack uh to to get something of it i was basically basically playing for a nil nil until i got a a goal from for them from the position so i think because of how the the game is set up it's not probably achievable i i feel if you want to do it you probably have to go with a four uh four four two yeah, and, and I don't know. Basically, drop the lines, try to sag off pressure, defend narrow. You know, very very Saki esque compact team. But I'm not sure you can put it off that that you can actually succeed doing that. I'd agree with all of that. I think FM20 <laughs> is very biased towards attacking, seeing tactics. And again, I think yeah, if you want to try and do the park the bus, it's gonna to have to be four four two or maybe four one four one, something like that. I think it's a real if you try and park the bus and just kill the game dead from the start, you'll just end up under huge pressure. And eventually a goal's gonna come. Or you might get one or two games where you manage it, but it's not going to be that kind of Mourinho-esque parking the bus. You can go the kind of anti-football route and you can frustrate, but that actually means being a bit more aggressive than the traditional kind of park the bus. You can try and get your team to hold that structure and that shape, so you can try and go for those principles of like two banks of four. You can try and make your defenders no-nonsense and no-nonsense fullbacks no-nonsense centre-backs. You can even add a really negative tactic for one of my teams a while ago, which had that back line I mentioned and defensive wingers. And um, at least one of the midfielders was on defence as well. They were ball-winning defenders, uh, ball-winning midfielder on defend. And you just can't keep it up, especially if you're in the lower leagues because you'll end up doing more tackles. More tackles is more cards you'll get sent off. I think that's where I got my record. Um, it was five or six players sent off with my defensive nice. wizards. Just, just trying to do it. I enjoyed it, but I lost <laughs> like 3-0 in the end because you just can't keep that up. And I think counter-attacking is in the game, but it's not that Mourinho-style park the bus and then counter-attack. It's not soak up the pressure and then launch. It's get the ball back and then launch. Yeah, yeah, and, and I feel there, there's... It, I don't think you can... I mean, you can do it maybe one match, two matches, uh, maybe, but I don't think you can pull it off consistently. I don't think the... As you said, the game is favours, let's say. Uh, yeah. A certain type of 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 game of of play, and in a in a way, I feel like it's it's accurate because I was reading an article by Michael Cox, the tactics writer, mm-hmm. um, 
about how the with um, the Atletico Madrid versus uh, Leipzig match and how it was like two different eras clashes because uh, well Nagelsmann was doing this very modern position swapping moving with uh, tactic you know where players couldn't you know who to follow because the but basically the center the attacking wide midfielder was tacking in so the uh, sorry the fullback was tacking in so the so the wide midfielder was overlapping but and and Simone was just doing a, a 4-4-2 back <laughs> the bus ish and I mean if you saw a match you know how, how the end of it Leipzig was mm-hmm. all over them so I think in a way that the the match engine favoring you know counter pressing high pressing high intensity teams attacking teams in a way goes with the way of football but yeah. it also really negates any chance of of that kind of tactic that Mourinho packed the boss long ball uh, counter because you just can't do it can't do it consistently. Yeah, it does fit in with that kind of um, that pressing zeitgeist that exists. But yeah, it's it's a tricky tricky style to pull off with Park the Bus, even though it's in there as a preset. And yeah, I think just I think you hit the nail on the head with four four two being the way to go because at least then that's got the flexibility for the different styles of parking the bus and different styles of counter attack because you can have disciplined ranks or you can have something a little bit different. Yeah, and I also think having tried it with a with a four one four one like you said, I feel I don't know if it's the the match engine or, or whatever, but I feel like that uh, screening midfielder never quite tucks in with the the front line the the four yeah. the second four line i mean so you you always end up with some gaps in the midfield when you soak up pressure so you you're basically giving them the advantage you try to negate because the screen midfielder is the one creating the space to to exploit so i feel like a, a flat four for two you know that's this is like basic sorry tactics and flat four for two gives you compact lines and gives you the, the chance to at least you know have your players close together and that negates a great deal of space for the opponent the thing is where you can do it consistently and i don't think fm gives you the the possibility at least fm20 yeah so you went for for sorry for your example i was thinking pulis for, for my bank. yeah well i mean yeah, I mean, it probably Sari is not the the best part of us. Uh, well, Sari works. It works. It's a bit more sophisticated than what I was thinking of. Yeah, but I, I meant it. I mean, the 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 core principle, or one of the core principles of of Sarival in a way. Sorry, sorry. I meant Saki, not Sari. That's why. Mm. Uh, yeah, Saki, the the Milan coach. Uh, one of the the core principles of his of his tactical idea was to have the defense be as compact as you as you want. That's why. He didn't give. He didn't uh, use an attacking midfielder. That was. That's why he didn't use a, a sweeping midfielder, a defensive midfielder, because he wanted two banks of four, very compact, very close, very narrow, uh, so the opponent couldn't break them uh, in the middle, and they had to like, go to the wire areas, try to cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't a defensive coach, but that principle really applies to to defensive football defensive coaching in football and i feel Simeone is one is a, is a is a coach that really uses that that saki uh thing of having a very compressed a very 
compact, sorry, uh, 442. Yeah. So, sorry, Lounge Pundit. We've, you asked us how to do it, and we've said we don't think you can. But In a very long, long way of saying that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but if you think we're wrong, and we could well be, and you're listening to this, um, find the tweet and reply to Lounge Pundit and let them know how you do it. Um, because there are ways to try it. It's just we've not had a great deal of, of success with that. All right, we've got a second question. Is there any other questions apart from my one? Nope, it's just, just you and Lounge. Uh, my question, uh, obviously for all of us, would be what is your favourite thing about Football Manager? Uh, when I read the question, I, I said that uh, probably Kate would would agree with me. She's not here, so I don't know if she, in fact, does agree with me. But uh, referring to what we talked uh, the last time in the podcast, um, I feel like probably the narratives you can you can pull off. I mean, when I sit to 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 play a film, when I particularly when I when I plan a save, not so much when I'm playing actually a film, but when I plan a save, I, I think of you know what kind of story sort of I could tell like. Is it a sleeping giant that you're taking over and bringing back to the glory days? Is it a small provincial side you're developing, uh, kind of um, Eddie Howe style? Are you managing, you know, uh, abroad in, in you know South America like you're doing, Ryan, <clears throat> which is again a much more exotic experience for you than for me? Um, but um, I feel I, I think of that, uh, and, and I feel like it's. It's a great way to to submerge in a fantasy football world, or uh, yeah, a fantasy football world, not a fantasy football, but a fantasy football world, where uh, where you can, you know, in a way, correct the the evils of modern football. You know, the the money winning mm-hmm. and and everything. You can, you know, be the, the plucky small underdog side that wins the Champions League, uh, and not just being the the big sides always. That's something I really enjoy. Um, I also enjoy a lot the tactical side of it. I feel that even with the, the limitations we have discussed here, uh, FM is a great tool to learn football tactics. Like, of yeah. course, real life coaches can do stuff that we can't do because of it's, it's a limited system with a limited set of options. But in terms of getting to grips with the general gist of it, like, Okay, this team plays in a four-four-two, uh, let's say, but uh, you know they have a, a striker that drops, and the wingers come inside, and the wing backs do the overlap. So it, it it gives you a general idea of how the game tends to work, the game as in football, um, and it's 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 great for that. I mean, you you are watching a game, you see, oh, that midfielder is dropping a bit and finding space to deliver long ball, so he's at he's a deep line playmaker or that player is, I don't know, uh, coming inside after when the winger does the overlap, so he's an inverted wing back. You know, it gives you that like sense of how the the game works in in general. So I feel like that is also very, very interesting. I'd agree a lot with the narrative stuff that you mentioned, because basically anyone who has imagined a press conference for their team like in the shower or has put a suit on for a cup final or something like that you're essentially you've started role-playing football manager without realizing it 
I think you do realise it, but it's just don't well, admit it. <laughs> I don't think you realise that it's role play in that sense. Like you yeah, don't yeah, necessarily yeah. acknowledge it's a kind of a story that you're living at that point. So I think yeah, it's a big, big draw, and you get those sort of kind of Roy of the Rovers moments stuck in sort of memory from previous FMs. Like I can still remember winning the title for my humpback side from FM 19 in the last five minutes from a kind of a long ball to my um, five players that had put up front in desperation. And I remember the name of the player still. And he got given a contract for life basically after that. But it was because he was part of that kind of fairy tale story that went with it. So the narrative is a big thing. But I think for me as well, one of the things I quite like is that there are so many different challenges in it. And for me at least, I find most of them pretty enjoyable. So like I mentioned with the battering ram, I've been in a relegation battle with my Belfast Celtic side for like three or four seasons in a row. And when I mean a relegation battle, I mean like I was in the relegation playoffs and that kind of stuff. I was like 90 minutes away from going down a couple of times. And with my Tahiti save that I've got going on at the same time, um, I think the video will be released by the time I edit and put this up, um, so there won't be any spoilers for anyone who wants to watch it. But in my last season I played in Tahiti for FM20, I got sacked from one side, and then the new side I took over, I've just got relegated. But I've enjoyed it, even though it's been a terrible season. It's been no silverware, just a wooden spoon at the end. So even like a relegation battle can be as rewarding as a title battle or a cup run or you know, an international competition or something like that. There's lots of different parts of the game that you can make a challenge for yourself, whether that's youth development, whether that's the tactical side, or recreating a system or something, or the actual achievements in the game. It all all adds up. Yeah, I was going to say the the, develops, oh, the the development side is also very rewarding. I am maybe not... It's, it's probably not the, the thing I enjoy the most, probably because I'm jumping loops all over, so I don't get to like stay 20 years and see the kids that I grew up, uh, you know, become managers of their own and beating me or something. But yeah. I feel that in the communities, I really enjoy the thing, like the development part of it, and it's it's you know it's I don't think there's many games where you can actually enjoy that, you know, like getting a, a young 16, 17-year-old and basically playing so long as to when he retires and becomes a rival manager. Uh, that's a, a very particular FM thing, and I feel like that's something that many people enjoy a lot. Yeah, the fact the game doesn't end until you want it to end. Like, you might play really badly or something, but you just keep clicking continue and that game carries on. It's not like there's the end of the story and that's it. It's as much as you put into it. Yeah, and I think that gives you the liberty to, I mean, because of what we were talking about the narratives, I mean, if the game had, I don't know, five seasons to, to play, I mean, it'd be pointless to play with anyone but the very top size because you, yeah. I mean, what can you achieve in, in five years? But how many people we know of that they took their, I don't know, their town side or their the team that they have uh, in their in their neighborhood and took them to the Champions League? Or, yeah. or, or or stuff like that, and that that 
it, eternal world of football is what really gives you a chance to do whatever you want. And that's actually really, really enjoyable. It definitely is. What do you reckon then, Ryan? You asked the question. So what, what's your favourite bit? Mine's more outside of the game, though. Like, mine would be how it's sort of shaped my life more than anything. Interesting. Yeah, it's... Especially the last few years, well, I think since, like, sort of... Without Football Manager, I wouldn't sort of be where I'm at at the moment. Like, this sort of website took me so many places, and and I have a job that I sort of love and uh, sort of run, like, a fan site. and. I think that's probably my favourite part, like that I could just sort of sort of define because there's so much in the game which I sort of love, but it's just I think I get a lot more satisfaction from seeing people do well. Uh, yeah. In terms of like when people are writing and stuff, it's just to see that sort of motivation and how other people think. Like cause at the end of the day, it's well. It's probably trigger a lot of people, but it's at the end of the day, it is a game. Like, mm-hmm. there's no two ways about it, and um, it's just how much influence and sort of how beneficial that's been on a lot of people's lives. Especially myself, I've got sort of first-hand experience, sort of, of what a football manager can do. So yeah, as as good as it is, but in terms of in-game, like I, I just pro- probably just gonna have to reiterate what you say is sort of the narrative, like. It's especially like you've got this like seventeen year old kid coming through, for example, and you're like, I've almost got this conscience. Like, if I don't play him, I feel like he's going to be mad at me. Even yeah. though there's absolutely no sort of correlation between me and the sort of computer understanding this or this generated player. It's just I think that, I think that's crazy. Like, there's no, I don't think there's any many games where you you can get that similar sort of satisfaction where like. You are the boss, but you're sort of in control of other people's emotions. And I think Kate would be the same because I know she'd uh, she would definitely say a lot of stuff like she her 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 focus is on sort of team morale, keeping everyone's spirits up and stuff. And I think mine, mine would be the same because like you've got these players, and then it's like when someone really pisses you off, you're like, <laughs> right, you're not playing, and like you've got that little bit about you that's like it feels more like like a devil, but like the back of your mind, you're thinking. I'm being so horrible here. <laughs> Forcing them to do goalkeeper training. Training, yeah, for the striker. <laughs> yeah. No, is there is there's, that's that's probably my two things. I think the sort of narrative is sort of. I think a lot of people would go down that route. And as it's the same sort of the satisfaction as well. Like when you're, you know, when you're trying to find a save and you start getting into one and you're just hooked and it's just like it's something to look forward to and then. Um, I think having something like that in your life, especially as a game, where it's um, it can have such a big impact on your sort of life, is is brilliant. Yeah, and I mean, I will be. Um, I, I feel like it's, it has to be me who who mentions this, but the it happens with ma- many games, or probably a few more games. But I feel like FM is really good at this connecting thing. I mean, you're. I'm here talking to two people in in Britain. You're here talking to an Argentinian guy, and yeah. I feel like it's really good at creating that sort of international connections. I mean, like I started my my the save I I blog about um, in Brazil in a, a team called Confianza. In case you don't follow it, shame on you. But you, you okay. should if you've not. I'll, again, the link's going to go okay. in the description for the 
Okay, I didn't want to, to do the plug, but okay. If you uh, have to do the plug, that's the whole point you hear. You have to plug yourself. Promote yourself, please. Okay, okay. okay. I'll, I'll let them do the plug, but I started in a, in a team called Confianza, in Confianza, actually, because it's a... Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm all. But uh, it's in Brazil, and I never really seen Brazilian football besides, you know, whatever we catch in, uh, catch in the Libertadores and that sort of thing. And I got really attached to this side and I started like watching them for real and getting angry. I mean, the first match I saw was the actually the, the derby versus uh, Confianza versus Sergipe or Sergipe, I don't know. And I got like really involved and it was like urging them to, to go forward and asking them to, you know, get creative, yell, demand more. <laughs> so, and it's that that sort of create of connection that the games creates. It's it's fascinating. I feel like it it happens to so many people. So it, it's not a coincidence. I mean, the game really makes you care and makes you interested in other clubs or cultures or people. I mean, Adam uh, FM Stag, uh, he's getting really interested in Boca. So we mm-hmm. we started chatting. I mean, we develop. Uh, a connection, a, a relationship across thousands of kilometers. So I feel that's also a, a very enjoyable, a very enjoyable part of the game. How you can relate to other people, get to know other clubs, get to get interested in their story, and get I don't know supporting them and yelling at the TV because a game you manage, a uh, club you manage in, in in FM is doing poorly. I think the connection's a really good point. It's like you were saying with um, FM Stag. And a book. Uh, if you go to the Football Manager Slack Slack channel, FM Stag's got his own, and it is a very big kind of international party in his channel, um, all being brought together by this kind of common common language of football. It's like that question you get in the game about when you sign a player who doesn't sign the language of whatever country, and you get to say football's an international language or whatever. It's that kind of commonality. And again, like you're saying, it's good for meeting and talking to people you wouldn't normally do or for just kind of maintaining things. So one of the things I was just thinking about when you were both talking about that kind of real life aspect is when I started the Tahiti kind of game. So me and my brother back in FM12 started playing a network save. Um, He made this little sort of 13-team league based in Tahiti and we had the network save. We had a team each and we'd play most evenings or every other evening because I was working my first full-time job and he was, I think, still in high school at that point. But it was a really good way for us to just connect despite not being in the same place. So we'd kind of chat every night, give each other shit, depending on what was going on in the actual game itself. But it just kind of kept us in touch, kept us talking. It was particularly useful when we went through kind of hard times and stuff like that, so about six months into that her mum died and we were still able to kind of keep in touch and he had added this kind of element of of normality and then we've always gone back we've always revisited it but it's that kind of that power of what a game can do sort of bringing people together and he goes a bit back to that mental health article that you did fernando that kind of community and connection and support that's that's there all because it is as ryan says just a game absolutely Larry. I, I can't have anything else. <laughs> well, I think that's the podcast done then. We've, we've the, finished well. The short podcast with three people, <laughs> which went on for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I feel well, like it's my fault because I talk really slow, but um... no, no, it's completely uh, not your fault. We've went above and beyond what we've sort of expected to do. Just, I'm just hoping everyone uh, enjoyed this sort of impromptu uh, sort of podcast because I was not supposed to be here. You never are. You sneaking? Yeah, sneaking. Well, I'm supposed to be fast asleep, but you know, it's fine. I don't mind. I won't cry. You and your youngsters with your sleep. Youngsters, but yeah. Damn. Amy midlife crisis next year. <laughs> no, you've got a, you've got a bit of time before the midlife crisis kicks in. Enjoy it, though. Enjoy it. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. You can catch all our articles on Dictate the Game and all our podcasts on Anchor and various other platforms like Apple, Android, Google uh, Podcasts, and whatnot. If you've got any questions, find us on Twitter. Um, if you've got a uh, park the bus tactic that works, let uh, Lounge Pundit know on our Twitter thread uh, and tell him how we're wrong, because we may well well be wrong. And otherwise, we will see you in the next podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Anything to add, Luke?